You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Well, good morning, Sidefair Christian Church. Good to see you all here today. Uh, why don't you stand with us as we begin? And we are going to go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We rejoice in your name. We thank you for Jesus. He is the name that we lift up. He is the one who's worthy of our praise. Father, he is the lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world. And we thank you for the grace that we find in Jesus. And so we take joy just in the sound of his name today. I pray that as we worship our our gratitude, Father, would fill our hearts and well up, we pray that you are glorified, you are lifted high, you are magnified for all to see, not just in our words, Lord, but in our lives. As we even leave from this place, Father, we pray that you would continue to move in our hearts. We thank you and we take joy in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Fair. My name is Greg Juglard, and this is my beautiful wife, Donna Juglard. We are missionaries serving in Lyon, France, and we are happy to be here, and we are just so thankful for your support through the years, through your prayers, through your your finances, and just being there alongside us and walking us through becoming missionaries, better people of God, stronger people of God, and getting us here on the ground in Lyon. Now, years ago, God put it on my heart to be a pastor in a French church in some small village or some small town here in France. Well, we're in the initial phases of getting that accomplished. We're happy to report that we've reached out to the organization known as the AEEI, who still has a need for missionary pastors. They still have a need for people who want to share the gospel with the French people. And they have sent me a questionnaire. We're in the process of filling that out all in French, and so it takes a little bit longer. Um, and so, you know, with that, it's just, it's just a matter of time. We hope to have um, uh, the approval process and meetings in January and December, and we'll just move forward slowly and just as God guides and leads us. But we, again, we wouldn't be doing any of this without you guys. We love you so much, and we thank you for your prayers. We thank you for all of your support you've given us through the years. And we're just happy to be celebrating this time of Advent with you when we all come together, wherever we are, to proclaim the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. May you have a joy-filled Christmas. Au revoir from France. Good morning. Welcome to CFCC. We're so glad you're here this morning. If you're a guest, we're especially glad you're here. And we ask that you take a connection card out of the pew back, fill that out, either drop it in the basket as it goes by, or there is a welcome desk in the foyer where they have a gift for you. We would love to know that you were here and make a connection with you. There are a lot of announcements in the bulletin. I would be here the whole time if I tried to go through all of them with you. So I encourage you to look through. And you saw at the beginning of service, there was a video about Passion um, Conference that's in Atlanta that the students are going on. So that is a wonderful opportunity to um, go on a great trip. It's actually very reasonable and they'll have an amazing time. I wanna spend um, the majority of the time in the announcements talking to you about Advent Conspiracy. Advent Conspiracy is a movement that is about um, teaching us to substitute consumption 
for compassion. And it does it through four simple but powerful countercultural concepts. The first one is worship fully because it begins with Jesus and ends with Jesus. The second concept is to spend less. We all know what that is. So we don't have to spend too much time on that. Um, give more and give more of yourself, of your heart, of your hands and love all. Loving the marginalized, the forgotten, the sick and the poor. It's about giving what matters. It's about giving of yourself, of your presence. Um, For a good number of years, CFCC has um, taken part in Advent Conspiracy. And this year, we're making it as simple as possible because that's the idea of Advent Conspiracy. What we're doing is, and it's in in your bulletin under Advent Conspiracy, and we have decided that it would be really great to let our missionaries know how much we love them. And we're doing that in a really simple way by writing cards. And if you look in the back of your pew, you will find a Christmas card. And what we're asking is if you want to participate in this, and we really would love for you to, is take one of those Christmas cards and write a a note out to one of the missionaries, Greg and Donna Jugulard, and the other is mentioned in your bulletin. There's also a list of other missionaries that I believe is on the table in in the foyer. So you can get that list as well. But just write out a simple card and leave that on the table in the foyer. That would be really a great way to let them know that they're not forgotten and that we love them and what they do really matters. Okay. I'm going to invite my friends Megan and Zach Roll to come up on stage for our Advent reading here this week, the third week in Advent. Good morning, everybody. My name is Megan. This is my husband, Zach. He, um, he just had a flu cold situation, so his voice is a little bit gone. He will be reading the, the verse today, but um, he's going to keep it to that. <laughs> so the big talker, which is me, will be doing the rest. <laughs> we, um, I'm originally from South Africa, and he's a Texas boy. We started coming to CFCC um, since last year, for about a year. And we love you guys. It's awesome. Walked in here, felt the Holy Spirit, and I was like, yep, this is where we need to be. So that's that. <laughs> Um, All right, so we are covering the Advent today, and the word Advent comes from the Latin word that means coming or arrival. For centuries, the church has celebrated the four-week Advent season by lighting candles in a wreath and reflecting on the coming of Jesus as told in Scripture. The circle of the wreath represents God's never-ending love for us. The evergreens represents Christ's gift of eternal life and the candles announce Jesus as the light of the world. The pink candle of Advent is the candle of joy, sometimes called the shepherd's candle. It emphasizes the joy of finding the Christ child and sharing this joy with others. The color pink points us to the joy of the Advent season. Pink in the midst of purple, joy in the midst of seriousness and repentance. As we've considered before, the joy of Christmas is set against a backdrop of sorrow and longing. Our joy at receiving God's gift grows as we long for Jesus' arrival. This verse is from the story of Jesus' birth. The angels appear to the shepherds in the field nearby to announce that a baby has been born in a manger. The angels describe Jesus' birth as good news of great joy because he came to be our savior. The Bible tells us that right after they announced this news to the shepherds, thousands of angels appeared and sang glory to God because Jesus had been born. And now a reading of Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Please stand. 
And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Jesus Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, we just come to you together as a church into your throne room of grace, Jesus, and we just want to say thank you. Thank you for who you are, and thank you for all that you've given us. Jesus, we love you, and we need you every second of our days, of our life, of we just need you. We need you to be our all-consuming fire. Jesus, thank you that you came to be born in a manger, in a stable, amongst animals. And you came and you put your glory aside so that you can make a way for us to enter your presence boldly, for us to be set free from sin and death. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything. And we are excited with this Advent season to celebrate you because that's all that matters this season. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, every Sunday, um, as we gather for worship, as we lift up the name of Jesus, um, one way we worship, one way we give glory to God, one way we put the spotlight on God is through our giving. Uh, This Christmas season, we have a unique opportunity. Uh, Obviously, we continue to give our tithes and offerings, but we also Uh, We have one among us, a couple, um, who give with great joy every time they give. And they have invited us, as we finish out the year strong, to all give joyfully. Um, Don't give because we feel we need to or have to. Um, They've given $50,000. They've challenged us to match give matching gifts so that we will finish the year strong financially as a church and we will start the new year very strong. We're seeing great momentum in this matching effort. We're, we're over halfway there. And so we just ask that you would consider, pray about joining this effort, this movement. You can just write on a, the envelope in front of you, matching fund. You can give online. But I just wanted to update you. Um, we always have so much to celebrate. We have just this extra to celebrate this Christmas season as we continue to move forward to finishing out strong as we worship Jesus through all that we are, all that we have, we lift up his name. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to worship. Father, we sing songs, we pray prayers, we light candles, we lift up your name, we celebrate Christ's coming and the fact that he is coming again. And right now, we worship you. 
through giving. Father, thank you for this incredible privilege. Thank you that we might give with great joy. We know you love it when we do. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. If you are a guest here, you just don't know who I am. I'm uh, Cody Chaffin. I'm the uh, student uh, discipleship minister here. And uh, guys, I'm just humbled to be up here today. Um, Just a year ago, just wouldn't think I'd be here in Houston at a church like this. I'm just humbled and I'm just full of gratitude as I sit up here today and I get to share God's word with each one of you. We're in the series, The King is Coming. And last week, Dale went over the uh, genealogy of Jesus and we just saw through the brokenness, through broken people, God sent his son. And uh, just to be our king of grace and even in our brokenness, we can be excited that the king is coming because he's full of grace. And you just see this throughout his line. And I hope that this series is stirring in you the excitement of Jesus coming back because that's what Advent is all about. So I hope that uh, as we look back to Jesus uh, being born, it stirs your heart for him coming back. And so can y'all just pray with me as we uh, continue in this series? Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you just, uh, you calm me this morning, that you would uh, open our hearts and our minds, God, that you would just speak through me, God, because on my own, they're just words. But through you, God, words become powerful, they become life-changing, God. I just pray that you speak through me, because only through you can lives be changed. Uh, Lord, um, as we dive into the text, I just uh, pray that everything I say would be honoring to you, and that it would be true. It's in your son's holy name we pray, amen. So have any of you seen online like uh, reactions to when someone finds out they're pregnant? Like have you ever like seen a video online where they're recording and they get the excitement or maybe not the so excited reaction? Um, I mean you see it all the time. You see videos now of like gender reveals. Um, You see just all these videos but was uh, whenever my parents uh, found out about me there wasn't any recording there wasn't any uh, like evidence of any reaction. So I think most people would, would say they want to know how their parents reacted or you want to know how the pregnancy went or just the joy in your parents' eyes when they found out about me or you. And so I, and I came to my mom one day and I was like, Mom, tell me the story of when you found out about me. And I was really excited. I was thinking they were going to be like throwing parties and celebrating. And just in awe and wonder, I sit there as I'm ready to listen. And she goes, I wasn't very excited. (laughs) Um, Because I have an older sister. And uh, by God's grace, my parents came out of this. But like life was a struggle when they were young and they had my older sister. Uh, My dad was uh, working paycheck to paycheck. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. It was hard for one child. And so, I don't know how to say it any other way than this. My mom went to the doctor, and uh, she was there to talk to the doctor 
about birth control. <laughs> and you know, they do a, they test you before they give that to you. And they said, ma'am, you're pregnant. <laughs> and she started weeping, not with joy. <laughs> because of the hardship a second baby would be. And my mom loved me so much. She cared for me, my parents were great, but that was not the answer I was looking for whenever I asked about when she found out about me. And to make it worse, she said, you made me so sick. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, you can stop now. And she's like, and she's like, you, you know, you're supposed to gain weight for the pregnancy. I weighed less than when I started. And I was like, and I was like, mom, I'm so sorry. Like, I felt like I needed to apologize for my infant self. <laughs> Matthew is talking to a Jewish audience. And as he lays out how uh, Jesus is connected to the promises of Abraham and to the promises of David, as he's talking to these people, I'm sure they want to know about the birth of Jesus. In the same way, we're curious. And Matthew's whole point of writing this book is to show that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised savior that was promised to Adam and Eve at the beginning and continually promised throughout Israel. And his whole point to this is just to prove that. He writes this book to this Jewish audience to just say, look, the Messiah's here, he came. And so he starts at the beginning. He, he starts the book with, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way, just straightforward. The birth of Jesus took place in this way. And uh, before I go further than that, I feel it's important to note that Mary is not mentioned very much like she is in Luke. We know Mary is an incredible woman, uh, one of faith, She's a servant, humble. If you just turn over to Luke uh, chapter one, verse 28, uh, it says that when the angel came to Mary, he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So we know that there is favor with her. We know that God has chosen her. And of course, she is afraid, as any of us would be with an angel coming before us. And so whenever he says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, that's important to remember throughout this text that Mary has found favor with God. And uh, he continues to say, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And uh, talks about how his, he will be great and be called the son of the most high. And Mary, of course, asks, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And here's to skip down again about Mary. It says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So before we continue in our text in Matthew, I thought it was important to mention Mary is humble, a servant. She was incredible, had incredible faith because most likely she was very young, a teenager. Imagine a teenager being told you are going to have a child in a time where this would cause difficult circumstances. And so the only question she asks is how is this going to happen? And when the Lord, the angel of the Lord explains to her, her response is let it be done. What an incredible woman. 
But Matthew, turning back to Matthew's uh, gospel, he focuses a lot on Joseph. And Joseph, it says uh, in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child from the Holy Spirit. So let's explain a little bit about how engagements worked back then. Uh, it was not like we do now where you propose with a ring and you're engaged and it allows, uh, in my case, Lauren to prepare the whole wedding. Like, my job was to stay out of the way. Um, but the purpose of today's engagement is uh, to plan a wedding. But back then, it was legally binding. It was a time where you are considered husband and wife. Your engagement, the only way to break it was through legal divorce. It wasn't as simple as in those cheesy Christmas movies that are going on. You take the ring off, throw it at the person, and it's over. It's not like that. It's, you have to go through a legal divorce. And so Mary and Joseph are in this period. Like the, the parents arranged this marriage most likely, and now they are together, and they wait a year before the wedding ceremony. So they're engaged for a year. And during this year, it really is a test of purity. And so we see that they're in this time and we know Mary is innocent, but not sinless, innocent. She had committed no wrongs. And during this time, as anyone would who was pregnant, she begins to show. She begins to show and Joseph would take notice of this, and it says she was found to be with child, and people would start to notice. And in verse 19, it says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Can you really blame Joseph? Because throughout history, and just what he knew with the knowledge at the time, it took two people to make a child, right? No one in the history of the universe had had a child, like no one had, been a, had a child being a virgin. So can you really blame Joseph for maybe being a little skeptical about that? So Joseph, being a just man, a righteous man, he feared God. And guys, just think about the ultimate betrayal of a relationship. For all Joseph knows, he is engaged to this woman. Uh, we don't know how long they've been engaged, but he's probably looking forward, like maybe of just a few months down the road. He sees her that she's pregnant and he knows that it's not his. So his logical conclusion is she was with someone else. Just imagine how hurtful that is. The betrayal, the devastation that Joseph would have felt. And the sad thing is, guys, that when people go through betrayal and hurt, often our reaction is, how can we hurt them back? How can we get even? How can we just publicly shame them? Being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, that says something about Joseph. For all he knows, she has had an affair on him. And he says, I don't want to put her to shame. Because we know from the Gospels, here's what Mary is facing. 
We know from the woman at the well, when she has had many husbands, what her society did to her. She had to come during the hottest part of the day to the well to avoid people. She avoided the other women that would come in the morning to draw water because she was so ashamed and she was an outcast. That was the minimum Mary was facing if Joseph wanted to publicly shame her. She was facing death. We know from the adulterous woman in John that Jesus was, uh, was walking along and the Pharisees drag a woman caught in adultery, throw him at his feet and say, according to the law, should we stone her? This is what Mary is facing. Joseph has been hurt. He doesn't know exactly what's going on, but he feels hurt, betrayed, and he has the option to just shame her, probably put her to death. I think there's something to it that Joseph handled the difficult situation with such gentleness. He was hurting, but unwilling to put her to shame. He resolved to divorce her quietly. As quietly as possible, he wants to protect Mary. Despite all that he thinks she's done, he wants to protect her. I mean, you could do an entire sermon on the man Joseph was and how we could model ourselves after Joseph, but I don't want to sit in there too long. So it goes on to a verse 20. He says, as he was considering these things, I don't think it's hard to imagine that he's really struggling during this time, as anyone would. He's just thinking through, like, how do I do this? How do I, because it's a legally binding engagement. How do I do this quietly? How do I protect Mary? Am I doing the right thing? We don't know their interactions, but is he thinking, is what Mary said true? Has Mary told him about the Holy Spirit or the angel coming to her? And he's like, is she telling the truth? He's considering these things. And finally, he goes to sleep. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived is her from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Like I said, he went to sleep just considering all these things. And as he goes to sleep, an angel appears to him. And as we said before, angels, every time, like there's many times throughout the scripture where people who encounter angels want to bow down and worship them. And these angels always refuse the worship. But just imagine how majestic and uh, just, I don't, I don't even know the right words to just say, imagine this, that kind of person standing before you that you want to bow down and worship them comes to Joseph and says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. We will come back to this, but there's many reasons why Joseph should be afraid to take Mary as his wife. We'll go back to that in a minute. Uh, for what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Remember what Matthew's trying to do in this text. He is showing that Jesus is the Messiah. He is putting an emphasis on that this is from the Holy Spirit. 
This has nothing to do with Joseph. This is from God. And this is the promised Messiah that was promised to Adam and Eve, to David, to Abraham. This is the Messiah, the Son of God. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, which means God is salvation, which you could put it as he is salvation. This baby will save his people from their sins. What a dream. (laughs) I think we take it for granted sometimes. Like, you've ever had a weird dream, you wake up and you're like, was that real? Joseph could have easily, easily just dismissed that as, wow, that was a crazy dream. I need to stop thinking about this situation before bed. But no, no. Like, this is a difficult thing. Like, we just take this for granted sometimes. This is a young man who, he's dealing with this divorce. He's dealing with, like, how do I protect Mary? And then he has this angel telling him that his wife-to-be is going to carry the Son of God. And he's going to save the world from their sins. Like, just think about his whole life. It's just been turned upside down. And we just take it for granted. It's like, oh, he just, the very next verse, he does what the Lord tells him to do. Again, what it says about Joseph is he is a godly man. Because that's not an easy thing to accept. Not an easy thing to accept. And then Matthew kind of takes a break from the narrative real quick to talk to his audience again, this Jewish audience. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The prophet he's referring to is Isaiah, and it's Isaiah 7, verse 14. And he takes this break to remind the readers and really to remind us that Jesus And he says earlier, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And that shows that he fulfilled the prophecies many, many, many years ago. His birth now, the way it was done here and now, fulfilled what Isaiah said many years ago. You see why Matthew is saying she was a virgin. He's really emphasizing that point. She was a virgin. All this came from the Holy Spirit Because behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Jesus fulfilled this, and this was God with us. The great thing about God with us is it wasn't when Jesus ascended into heaven that all of a sudden he's no longer Emmanuel. He's always Emmanuel because Christ is always with us. He has fulfilled this prophecy. And uh, so when Joseph woke up from sleep... He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And again, Matthew's just hammering home the point. Joseph did not know Mary. There is no possible way that this baby belonged to Joseph. And Mary was a virgin, so this was a miraculous birth, so this son is the Messiah. You see the point Matthew's constantly making through this uh, first chapter. And again, Joseph did what the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. Now, we don't know if they had this ceremony. We don't know if uh, they had the ceremony after Jesus was born. But I said earlier we were going to go back to 
do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Let's use our imagination here for a minute. When Joseph notices Mary's bump, her baby bump, she's not locked in a house all day. She doesn't live with him. He's not trying to keep her a secret. She most likely lives with her parents. And her community would have seen her too every day. And if Joseph can notice, the entire community can notice. And it's not hard to imagine that a community that just knows everything about each other, all of a sudden assumptions start being made. You know, those uh, judgmental eyes start looking at Mary. The shame that her community probably tried to put on her. If Joseph, Joseph had the opportunity, a pastor said it this way, Joseph had the opportunity to shame Mary and say, I have nothing to do with this. I have nothing to do uh, with any of this. But now, when he decided to obey the angel, and when he took Mary as his wife, what he said is, I'm marrying the shame that comes with her. Because now, what are people going to assume? That Joseph and Mary were together before the ceremony? Unclean, unrighteous. And it says earlier, Joseph is a righteous man. Godly man. What are people going to think about him now? We know Mary did nothing wrong. We know Joseph did nothing wrong. But it's not hard to imagine the community made all sorts of rumors, assumptions, and just shamed them. Joseph decided to take that on. And the other part of it is he adopted Jesus. He knows he has nothing to do with this child. He knows the assumptions, the shame that's going to come with marrying Mary. And he takes on the Son of God as his own child. What an incredible man. Incredible woman and incredible man. And what I love about Joseph being the earthly father of Jesus, the adopted father of Jesus, is that he set, he almost sets an example of what Jesus did. He took on the shame of Mary, he protected her, he took on the assumptions, but Jesus did it in an incredible, incredible way. Because here's the difference, we are guilty, we are an adulterous people. We have chosen money, we've chosen power, we've chosen our jobs, we've chosen sports, we've chosen anything that you put above God. I could go on and on and on, makes us an adulterous people. We've chosen things over God. We deserve to be thrown out of the presence of God. People thought Mary at the time deserved to be thrown out, put to shame. And that's what actually we deserved with God because of our adulterous lives to be thrown out, shamed. Mary faced death if Joseph didn't protect her. The difference is I deserved death. Mary was facing stones and I deserved much worse than that. We are guilty of choosing other things before God. We are. But this baby that was born, that we look back to, he took the shame of the entire world to the cross. 
And as he was nailed to the tree, naked, beaten, people would walk by as bystanders and mock him and uh, just shame him. He took all the shame that I deserved and all the guilt. He died a guilty man's death, even though he was innocent. He was nailed to a cross, nailed to the tree, and all of this was to free me from my shame and guilt. He came as a baby in the same way Joseph adopted him, protected him, took on the shame and the assumed guilt of Mary on himself. Jesus did for us, every single one of us. And when he did that, it says in Ephesians, we are adopted. In the same way Joseph adopted Jesus, it says that God adopts us as his children. Not only does Jesus die for us, but he then says, come into my family. Uh, Join me. And he even says, my father's house has many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. So not only are you a part of my family as sons and daughters, you get to live with God forever. This isn't like you are a guest in heaven, your family. That's why Jesus came to save the sins of his people, and that invitation is every single person. He didn't say to save the sins of Israel or save the sins of the Gentiles, it saved the sins of his people, which we see is everyone that has a relationship with him. He changes us from adulterers, guilty, shameful, into sons and daughters. So that's why we get to look forward to the king is coming back. As we look back to Jesus' birth, we get to be excited that the king is coming back. Why? because he's gonna take us home. We're his children. If you belong to Christ, you are his child. And when he comes back, he's gonna take us home. So for me, I'm so excited that the king is coming. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the example of Joseph. I thank you that you came to fulfill the law to fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament that you are the Messiah. I thank you for Matthew's account that shows us that he is the Messiah. Ultimately, God, I'm just so thankful that this baby that Joseph decided to adopt and make his own and protect him, that baby grew up to die for us and take away our shame and our guilt that we can be adopted and become your family and one day you're gonna take us home and you will be our king. It'll be a glorious day, God. I pray that there's someone here that just has never known you, God, has never accepted that gift of salvation, never been brought into your family. I pray that they would accept that invitation today. We love you, Lord, and we just thank you for all these things in your son's holy name. Amen. As we prepare our hearts uh, for communion today, I tell you, I love the fact that scripture 
it never glosses over truth. Uh, it never glosses over life's realities. As Cody's brought this home today, this setting, Mary, what she experienced, Joseph, what he experienced, I won't forget those words. Joseph's shared Mary's shame. He shared her shame. You know, Christ's birth obviously is worth celebrating. But you know, if we stopped at Christ taking on flesh, him being born of a virgin, him walking on this earth, if we just stopped there, it's not enough. It's not enough. His birth is not how he shared our shame. His death is how he shared our shame. The Bible says that he was tested, tempted, just like we are. But he was without sin. He didn't deserve shame. He chose the shame of the cross so that we might have a life that we do not deserve, so that we might be adopted into God's family, so that we might have a home with God in heaven, so that we might be his adopted children. You know, the Bible says we're to boldly approach the throne of grace. I pray today that you would boldly approach the table of grace. We don't deserve grace. We don't deserve the body, the bread, the cup, the blood. But God gives us life. We come with nothing in our hands and we receive life. As Cody said, if you've never received the life that Christ offers, place your trust, your faith, and accept this gift. We talk all about gifts at Christmas, but the greatest gift you can receive is life. I pray if you've not received it, you would just trust Jesus today and become God's child. Our prayer partners will be here as followers of Jesus. I pray that we might boldly approach the table of grace. Father, we thank you We thank you for Christ's birth. We thank you for his death. We thank you that he shared our shame. The perfect lamb of God took on our sin. He gave his life. Father, we thank you for the life you give us freely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just two reminders. Um, Advent Conspiracy. You see all the details in your bulletin. And then if you just reach out, the pew in front of you, in the back of the pew, they're Christmas cards. We saw a video from Ryan and Gina Hell who serve in Sicily last week. They do great work there with Muslim refugees that coming up from Africa. Greg and Donna um, Jugelard, we saw this video today, serve in Lyon, France. And the next week we'll hear from the Pankrats, um, large family serving in the Middle East. Guys, I don't think we can totally comprehend being away from grandparents, being away from parents, 
living in apartments. You've given up pretty much everything you own to serve overseas. Pray for these families. Let them have physical reminders that they have not been forgotten. Uh, If you want to buy small gift cards, Amazon gift cards, bless them with those as well. Um, What a blessing for us to be able to be a blessing, blessed to be a blessing this Christmas season. Many of you received an invitation um, to a budget presentation this morning. Uh, If you have questions, if you'd like um, just more information, it will be a very quick presentation at the end of the service. If you would just hang around, move up to the front, our directors will present the 2020, doesn't that sound crazy? 2020 budget and give you any information you might need voting on that budget begins and continues for the next 10 days. Hasn't it been a great day to be here with God's people? I mean, what a special service. What a special service. God bless you as you go out into this world to be light and salt to a world in need. God bless.